Hello, everybody. My name is Cameron Caldwell, and you're listening to the Close the Deal podcast, where we talk to finance professionals to help educate, motivate, and inspire you. On this episode of the Close the Deal podcast, we talk to Nathan Chandra about his background studying physics and how that led him to pursue a successful career in consulting at McKinsey and Boston Consulting Group before where he is today at Deloitte, specialising in due diligence and strategy. Hi Nathan, welcome to the Close the Deal podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good, Cameron. Thanks for inviting me. It's really great to talk with you. It's a sunny day here in Tokyo, Japan, so it's been a pretty good day. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. No, looking forward to hearing about your experiences so far. I guess just to start off with, could you maybe give our audience just some background and a bit of an introduction? Tell us a bit more about yourself. Sure. So I'm currently working as a vice president in M&A department of Deloitte Tokyo. I'm mainly handling um, mergers and acquisitions for uh, medium to large cap deals in uh, three sectors. So we have TMT, what we call technology, media, and telecommunication, and then life science and healthcare, as well as retail and consumer goods. Before that, I have background, uh, academic background um, uh, in university from University of Cambridge. I took my MBA there, and I also have prior experience as management consultants in. Boston Consulting Group, as well as McKinsey. Perfect. No, that, that gives a really kind of interesting background into your in, into your kind of background. It seems like you've had a lot of different experiences. So maybe kind of delve into some of those as we as as we go forward. Um, I, I guess maybe taking it right back to um, your kind of education to begin with. I noticed you studied engineering physics, which um, now looking at your title and M and A consulting, they're very very different. Could you maybe kind of talk us through your your thinking as to studying that? Did you really even know what mergers and acquisitions was at that time? And did you did you know what you wanted to pursue as a career sort of thing? Good question. Good question, Cameron. So I would say when I was an engineer, indeed, um, my focus really was on the technical side. And I don't even know what consulting is much um, like even like m and I, I don't even know about it. So even consulting, I only know it uh, in the last year of my studies where uh, there were some invitations uh, letter from McKinsey and BCG being uh, forwarded to like some students. So uh, a lot of the students there, we were focusing more on uh, either being an academic pursuing PhDs or uh, working for for example, oil and gas uh, service company like Slumberjay or um, Halliburton. So people are very like uh, technical minded there. And so was I. Um, when I first hear about consultancy company, I was curious, but I also don't really know what they are doing. So uh, when they say like McKinsey, like McDonald's, McKinsey, it's uh, I never heard about it. So I, I don't really have knowledge. Um, so in my case, I had the opportunity to uh, be exposed to the work. It just so happens that they require uh, an urgent uh, team member at a time in PCG, and I have an interview with the managers, and we clicked. And that was the first time I got exposed to the consulting world. I didn't know what to expect. I presume that, okay, they are helping businesses. So I'm completely blind about business at a time as a student. I am quite good. I would say like I, I'm trying to excel in technical perspective, but I 
I'm completely blind in business and management or economy world. Uh, that's one thing I would like to train, I would say. So when I decided to uh, go uh, and then pursue a full-time opportunity in consulting, I want to fulfill a part of my vision, long-term vision, which is uh, at a time I'm thinking of becoming an entrepreneur or tech technopreneur to be exact. Um, one thing I realize is while I know the technical skills that I don't really have any business knowledge at all, which something which I view at a time as something I needed to uh, learn. So that compels me to uh, go to consulting firm. So uh, I got my first project and um, during the time I was exposed to the senior leadership very early in the tenure, uh, which surprises me, pleasantly fascinated me because uh, I never thought that um, I could interact with the uh, vice presidents, the directors, even the senior managers of the uh, of the clients. Uh, it just gives a whole lot. It's, it's a different world, essentially, as a as a greenhorn in the industry. Uh, I would expect to only deal with the with the people in the lower ranks, but really, the consulting world they give you a chance to interact with these top executives, that really boosted and accelerated my learnings. So uh, you got a chance to uh, learn from these people who have spent maybe 30, 40 years in the industry and uh, really learn how they run this business, this big and large companies, multinationals even. So uh, that propels me to uh, continue pursuing uh, a, a career in consulting. And during that time, I was exposed to a different numbers of, of projects across different functions from corporate strategy, operational improvements, marketing and sales, and also due diligence where we have the mergers and acquisitions are. So mergers and acquisitions at a time during the first two years, I would say it was not my focus. But then once I got exposed to the industry, I feel that this is quite interesting. Uh, because I'm primarily interested in technology. So there's a lot of inorganic growth uh, driven by mergers and acquisitions these days. And I identify that as uh, a functional specialization, which I would like to have going forward. So as a consultant, once you go through the earlier phase from analysts to associates and then to senior associates, you have to choose a function or several functions, as well as industry where you want to specialize. Because once you become manager, and especially above when you become partner, you have to be known for specific focus. And those specific focus needs to be uh, a combination of function and industry. So I decided that I would love to train my specialized skill set in M&A uh, in order to specialize, not only be a generalist. And I, I went for MBA, so I went for MBA and I pursue finance specialization to uh, have a baseline to to improve my baseline on financial financial skills. And I got the opportunity I had to reaching out about the uh, M&A position in Deloitte, which I'm quite intrigued because I would love to learn about the end to end M&A. So typically for consulting firm, we only deal with commercial and business due diligence, which is the more like a research side of it, 
whereas in big four, they do end-to-end -end from originations, making the IM and also uh, due diligence, the legal side, the SBA, the LOIs, the agreements. And finally, the uh, um, post-merger integration, the PMI, as well as the value creation part. So I would love to get exposed and understand this end-to-end -end value chain in an M&A, which I would say I got those exposure now in my position in Deloitte. No, perfect. That, that, that gives a really, really good overview. And I think it's really interesting to hear how seamless the transition was for you from consulting to M&A, given you obviously had a lot of experience on certain deals after a couple of years. Um, so, and then obviously the MBA obviously backed that up at one of the world's most prestigious universities. I can imagine that was a great experience. It was indeed. I love University of Cambridge and would love to come back. Perfect. No, no, it's, it's definitely a very good university. And then back, backing that up with joining Deloitte and um, perhaps more in the kind of due diligence procedures, et cetera, is, is very interesting. And let's, let, let's look at that now. Um, so let, let, let's kind of focus on maybe the work that you're doing at the moment. You, you kind of said it's not so much focused around the IMs, the marketing side, but the other aspects of the deal. Um, could you maybe expand a bit more on exactly what those tasks are for our audience? Sure. So uh, for my part, I'm focusing more on uh, two, two key parts, which is 70% uh, of my work is focused towards the due diligence part, which is the, uh, we call it the commercial business due diligence and operational as well as financial. And then 30% of my work is focusing more on the value creation part, which comprises of M&A strategy. So this is corporate strategy work for related to M&A, as well as the PMI work. So uh, the rest of the work, uh, there are some works I did, for example, originations and I am, but it was uh, in terms of percentage is mostly like less than 10%. No, no, that's, that, that, I think that gives a really good overview. Let, let's go and maybe one by one into each of those different areas and kind of dive into them a bit deeper. So I guess the, the majority of your time you said was spent on the DD processes, varying kind of different types of DD. At what stage of the deal process does DD occur? And also, um, what kind of deliverables are you presenting for your client or for the advisors to the client? Good question, Cameron. So I would say uh, there are two types of uh, clients, so the buy side and the sell side. And uh, typically, there are um, two phases of the uh, um, the deal. So. Sometimes we go in, I would say 30% uh, of the time, we go in in a pre-M&A stage where um, the client wants to have a pre-DD. So essentially, they don't decide, they haven't decided to uh, chip in on the deals yet, but then they want to get to know uh, the potential company they want to acquire. And then the majority of the time, though, they are already in the, uh, the deal page. So they have signed letter of intent with the uh, potential acquirees, and then they are formally enlisting help from us, uh, Deloitte, for example, for to conduct detailed due diligence. And uh, in these two cases, I would say uh, the contents are quite similar. The pre-M&A DD usually is a bit simpler. The structure is similar, but just in terms of depth, it's a bit more high level. Um, typically, we say that um, we have at least commercial and business due diligence as part of the uh, standard package. So commercial due diligence would look at the market. 
So we say the um, what is the market size, what is the segments of the market, and then we look at the customers, potential customers, what is the segments, what are their needs, and then the competition landscape. So the competition landscape would look at the market share of each players, what key success factors they uh, they they up, they possesses, and uh, what is the key advantage as well as disadvantage of our target company compared to the competitors. So those comprises of uh, the commercial due diligence. And then we have the business due diligence, which essentially focuses more on the target company. So we will look at the uh, financials, we will look at the operational assets, the operational flows, the uh, organizations, and so on. So we evaluate all of those capabilities, the technology, human resources, financials, and uh, we we basically combine that with uh, to assess the business plan that the management has. So typically, management uh, the the management will come out with this is our projected EBITDA and revenue uh, for the next five to ten years. Based on our findings from both commercial and business due diligence, we made uh, our own model essentially that explains what is the more fair projections going forward and then we have a conclusion whether the, the management business plan is conservative or actually it's too ambitious and that sh should ideally give a fairer illustration for our clients on what is the right price to be if they decided to acquire it and yeah that, that is from two sides right commercial and business due diligence operational due diligence is quite similar to business where, where we'll take a look really at the operational side, how they work, how many headcounts they have and so on. But typically it's much deeper. We look at the operational flow. Is there anything we could optimize there? Is there any risk? Um, is there any like optimization could be made in headcounts and so on? So these all these elements will be fed in into financial due diligence. So financial due diligence will take a look at the three financial statements, a lot of assumptions, a lot of are made based on our findings that we find on those other three due diligence we have done before. Sorry, Cameron, yes, please. Perfect. No, no, no. Um, so I, I guess a lot of what you're doing is just checking the validity of what the company's actually said. I guess one thing perhaps maybe in the business side that comes to mind is Twitter's potential takeover by Elon Musk. That seems like a due diligence nightmare where they're they're trying to prove the number of users, the number of real users. Um, I, I guess that's kind of similar to the work you're doing, albeit on a kind of different business business level. You might be looking at number of customers, number of suppliers, etc. Well, it is certainly part of the uh, due diligence. You are correct. So uh, typically, what we will do is they will share with us uh, the uh, corporate data, the target company. They will share the detailed data that they have with regards to their suppliers, their customers, um, to a, we call it a data room, a virtual data room these days. So uh, we will collect all those data and analyze it and we will inquire on behalf of the client actually like, oh, what does this data mean? Is this the, the most correct data? Is there any like, you know, any other information that we should know? Um, and from there we identify like, is there any risk? Is there any, uh, any like safe points or area of comfort that we should uh, accept based on uh, what we find on that. So you're correct that it has to be uh, 
a combination of a public information that we got from different kinds of database as well as the a proprietary company database. Yeah, okay, okay. And that, that, that's all clear. I, I think maybe let's let's move very quickly to the kind of strategy aspect of what you do. Again, similar question to, to before, at what stage of the kind of deal life cycle is that? Is that maybe post, post merger, post acquisition integration strategy, or is it pre kind of more high level strategic thinking? What, what are you looking at in, in this part of your job? Right, so I would say in this case, uh, about 25% are in pre M&A uh, phases, and then 75% are in post M&A. So in pre M&A, it's, very similar to a typical corporate strategy work where uh, a client might be thinking about expanding to a certain sector and they're asking for our insights and help to evaluate whether that would be a good move uh, from a strategic viewpoints uh, what is the potential benefits what are the potential risk and also what are the potential companies to acquire so we would made a short list of potential companies to be uh, looked at further um, for the post MNA, it's a bit more, uh, I would say, formulaic. So essentially, you have the 100 days and then the 300, 300, 500 days, several milestones after MNA is being made. So there's a certain target that needs to be reached in terms of uh, ideally, you want to successfully integrate the two companies within a certain date that is set upon by the uh, management of both sides. Uh, so based on that agreement, uh, we have to make a clear uh, master plan, essentially, in terms of integrating from technology perspective, from operations, from culture, organization perspective. We have to detail out those things, uh, what needs to be done and what are the key actions and uh, um, what are the things that needs to be addressed, let's say, from other perspective, like legal and financials. Um, also, uh, there is a there is a more long-term strategy that we will do typically uh, after we finish the first 100 year strategy we will do a more long-term strategy where we look at what ideally the combined entity should do so looking at the market trend going forward looking at what the additional resources that the combined entity has what can they anticipate and uh, what new business they could actually um, expand into and what are the resources might be required to do that? Yeah, de de definitely. I think probably that's one aspect of M&A that's perhaps overlooked sometimes. Um, and I mean, you, you obviously spend a, a good portion of your work doing that kind of work. And obviously it's very crucial to business success. For example, having two strategies that are aligned, not just for the, the, the kind of transaction date completion, but also for the kind of longer term. So that, that is really interesting to hear. Um, I think maybe just to, to round up our discussion, that was really useful, Nathan. Um, I think firstly, if you could maybe give some advice to students, either at high school, university, who might be looking to pursue a career in finance or M&A. Right, of course. Um, well, I would say um, there are two things we need to uh, be mindful of. So the first one is, um, of course, a lot of people say that oh, you have to have a um, an education in finance specifically to be able to break into this sector. Uh, in reality, I would say um, it does not necessarily have to be like that. So uh, even if you have, let's say, um, 
an education in other sectors, you can learn these skills. So these due diligence aspects and financial modelings are quite uh, quite formulaic. So uh, it's something you can learn, especially nowadays there's a lot of um, information available on the internet. So you can familiarize yourself with those formulas and, and uh, the way people do due diligence. And I believe like you can actually excel on the interviews without those uh, necessarily having to have those financial backgrounds. And second thing is, um, I would say uh, coming from my uh, own experience as a consultant that now focuses on M&A, um, if I have to compare this to uh, sector, it's it's quite interesting because like on one hand, consulting is more dynamic. So the problem essentially is essentially 50% uh, of your time will be spent on identifying what is the correct problem to solve. And once you deep dive into it, then you figure out like what's the what's the way to address those issues. Whereas in M&A, it would uh, the problem you are you need to solve is I would say from the perspective of the client is quite clear what is the right price so in order to arrive to that we have to know like what is the right what was the market like how how big is the uh, market share and then who are the competitors and so on so there is a clearer steps to do MA, especially due diligence in MA, which uh, can be easily learned so once you have it uh i would say like the uh, processes of MA will be quite straightforward. Uh, so this depends on what you like. So uh, you might want to have more balance between the due diligence as well as the strategic part. For me personally, I like more the, uh, I, I like the critical thinking and the dynamic approach of the uh, strategy projects given my background. So I, I strive to have more balance between the value creation MA strategies or the due diligence part. Um, even in Deloitte, we know like people uh, usually try to balance out because when you do due diligence for, let's say, 10 projects consecutively, uh, you will get burnout given the intensity, uh, since typically due diligence project is uh, being done in a, uh, in, in a time restraint. Uh, so you have maybe like four weeks or five weeks uh, to do a complete comprehensive due diligence across all these different elements we mentioned before. So uh, while you don't need to create something new, uh, but the uh, time you need to spend is typically quite uh, quite long per day. So typically people like to balance it out with the uh, strategic part. So give like some variety in their approach. Um, so that's number two. So think about uh, what you are interested in. So is it more the strategic part? Is it more the uh, the due diligence part, or you are preferring a balance between the two? In reality, uh, you you need to think about the more of the balance rather than just focusing purely one on one or the other. And finally, I would say the last thing is, um, well, some people are. Uh, doing M&A straightforward from university. So they are going to investment banks with the aim to go to private equity, for example, or uh, some people might go to uh, consulting and go to M&A. And then maybe after that, they go to M&A position in corporate like Google or Facebook. So it will be great uh, if you could think through, think ahead, like what kind of 
long-term goals that you have. For example, uh, if you would like to go to private equity, then uh, the uh, modeling that you need uh, ideally should be more detailed. For example, you need to have the LBO modeling um, instead of just a simple financial modeling. Uh, and then your experience, let's say, and uh, investment that might support you more in towards to fulfill that goal compared to, for example, if you are combining that experience with more of a strategic viewpoints. So uh, really think through about the career steps and uh, what kind of career options that uh, could bring you to towards that goals. So when you think about the skill sets, uh, you need to think of it as like, okay, I need to acquire the skills of like end to end M&A from this place and then these strategic viewpoints from this place. Uh, think of it as a portfolio of skill sets that you need to acquire and how can it support you to achieve your long-term goal? Uh, because I, I know a lot of people when they just uh, started, of course, everything is a learning, but once you uh, climb up the ladders, you realize that there are some relevant learnings towards your long-term goal. There are some learnings that might not be too relevant. It might be useful someday, but ideally you want to really, really focus on uh, your portfolio to really support you at every step in your journey. It will be hard, especially as a student, but uh, <laughs> it will be great if you could start thinking. Um, I would say this, that is something I learned from my own career that I would love to share with all of you. No, perfect. That, that, that's some very useful advice. Three very distinct but very important points, I think, for any, any student listening to this wanting to pursue career in finance. I guess just very lastly, um, what does the future hold for you? Will we see you founding the next thing? Tech startup still, or what's the plans for you? Good question. I would say I would I would love. I'm I'm thinking about becoming a venture capitalist. Uh, of course, uh, something I'm 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 trying uh, going forward. But I would say that is definitely within my dreams. Yes. You you're not hiding any big tech ideas from us, are you? <laughs> well, I would let you know if I have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nathan, thank you very much for your time and thank you for joining us on the Close the Deal podcast. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Cameron. Thank you for inviting me again and thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Check out our M&A competition at closeadealcompetition.com and subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know about future episodes.